Hello again, everyone. Episode 23 of Murphy's Law Podcast is now coming at you. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. Charles, how are we doing today? It's a very, very sad era for Marvel TV, which we got to get into. The end is nigh, or has the end arrived? I think it's it's close, and it is, for Charles and I, this is something that's really, it's a heartbreaking thing. Uh, <laughs> Where we've really been struggling with it over the, we struggled with it so bad that as we sat here and talked about show notes, what we wanted to go over, we didn't even remember that it was something that we were supposed to talk about until right before we started recording. Uh, it was pretty, it's pretty sad, but yep, Jeff Loeb has, uh, has begun the process of exiting the building, exiting the Marvel TV. Uh, he's, he is, uh, as if people didn't see this coming, that. Now with Kevin Feige taking his place as the one above all, Jeff Loeb and his shit ideas and his shit vision for how things should go is getting flushed down the toilet. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, even though I, I, we've all been expecting Loeb to maybe, you know, for his position as a Marvel TV head to change, I certainly wasn't expecting it to happen like a week after the announcement that Kevin Feige, you know, becomes the overlord of Marvel. It's like, I've I've seen some insiders say that the writing's been on the wall for some time for Jeff that his contract apparently was up and that he was contemplating on whether he wanted to continue it or not. But I don't know. Like p- people think that it's directly because of Feige taking over uh, Marvel TV and Marvel Comics, but some people are saying that the, the timing was just you know it, it's a it, it was a weird coincidence. I don't know which to believe. I guess. Thank you, Jeff, for giving us some good, a good season of Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and maybe Punisher for the rest. I don't really give a fuck. Uh, thank you yeah. for the last thing we saw of the Punisher being killing a bunch of teenagers and then saying in memory of Stan Lee. Yes, thank you for that. So, I guess, I guess this serves as as Jeff Loeb's TV eulogy from us. Yeah, we have. Uh... To be fair, like it wasn't, it hasn't all been terrible. Um, like I said, there was some good. There, some of the Netflix series had some good runs. Um, Daredevil season three, despite not having a legit costume, uh, was really good. Like it was the, from beginning to end, for the most part, it was very, very good. But yeah. to me, it just always seemed like Jeff was scared to make the comic book properties comic booky. He had to have some of that. DC, we have to keep everything as grounded and real as possible. Um, yeah. And he just shied away from the things that make comic books comic books. And that that never sat well with me. Like, you can't have the dragon and Iron Fist. You can't have the yeah. outfit, the costume and Iron Fist. The Inhumans are on Earth selling weed. Like, no, man, if you're going to make these things, make them. Yeah, and I mean, the problem just, just doesn't start and end there, right? Like, I've heard that the reason why the Netflix shows were 13 episodes was because Marvel wanted it to be 13 episodes. And apparently, Jeff was against the idea of shortening the season, making it 10 episodes, because apparently to him that wasn't like traditional prestige TV. Which I guess at some point, five years ago, that was sort of the status quo. Most shows had like 13. But yeah. like in this day and age in streaming, it's, you gotta do 8 or 10. And Apparently, Marvel didn't want to do that because 
if they if if they give scripts for thirteen episodes, obviously they get more money from Netflix. Right. And Jeff was apparently the very outspoken about doing it thirteen episodes, and that Iron Fist season two was was something he had to compromise because of how shitty the response for season one was. But if only he he buckled up and you know did it for the rest, he probably would still have one of the Netflix shows going on. But yeah, it's not. No, I'm just saying it's not there anymore because Jeff was too stubborn to to compromise. Yeah, and it just sacrifices the quality for so you can get more episodes, right? For quality over quantity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Some of those some of those episodes, like if the entire episode wasn't entirely unwatchable, like most of it was, right? You're you're getting some of these fifty eight minute episodes where it's just boring and nothing happens and like yeah, like we can see, we can look ahead to um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is going to start shooting uh, real soon here. That that you can, you know, in the six episodes, you know, every episode has to has to count for something. Every there's going to be big plot advancements in each episode because you only have maybe six total hours to tell your story. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it just doesn't end there. I right? like all the ground and stuff was very that was like under under Jeff Loeb's mantra on how to adapt these properties. Like, he likes he likes them grounded, like, as he used to say in every interview, he wants them grounded. He wants them to feel real, almost to the detriment of each character, and yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm honestly not sad that he's gone. As, as, a, as a showrunner for these shows, he was more missed than hit for me. But, you know, as a comic book writer, I respect him so much. I mean, aside from Ultimatum, I love what he did with Spider-Man Blue, with Daredevil Yellow, with Superman for All Seasons, Batman Long Halloween. Like, he's done a lot of great stuff in in comics that I think just, like, the good stuff he's done in comics is way better than any of the, the good TV stuff he's done. Oh, yeah. like those, And those are, it's almost, it's weird, because it's almost like those, you'd have to imagine they're two totally different people the guy that could write some of those comic books and then the guy who takes this completely different slant on how to do TV. Um, But yeah, like his comic book work is, is like, I don't want to say it's unparalleled because there are other really great writers, but I mean, he had a great run and did some great stuff and some stories that are all time greats. So yeah, there's, I appreciate all that, but I'm, I'm fine letting someone else come in and take over. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before now that Feige has this position all the way on top of everything, you can see some of this, like, I don't know, this structuring, the scaffolding that he's been doing over the past several years is going to really come into play where guys like Nate Moore um, and Jonathan Schwartz and Trin Tran are, yeah. are going to have more responsibility now because he's got so many other things going on. Um, but he's given these guys, you know, time to grow and learn and become a part of, of that you know, come out of the company way of doing things. And so I think, well, it might be a little scary to think about him sitting up there and having to do everything now. I think I feel good knowing that he's got a, a group of maybe like eight of these executive producers um, that he really trusts. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in who Kevin gets as like the main TV overlord for, for I guess, like for the, for the next iteration of Marvel television under him. I'm, I'm very curious who becomes the new Jeff Loeb, so to speak, and pretty sure it's gonna be one of one of the one of the Marvel Studios Parliament. Like Jeff Loeb, Jeff Loeb's exit comes very timely because, like a few days ago, it was announced that Cloak and Dagger 
was getting canceled. A show I didn't watch and I didn't give a fuck about. It's gone. How yeah, how how am I supposed to feel about this? I don't know. <laughs> I've only seen it's only it's been on in my house. Both my daughters have watched both seasons, and I've only seen uh, just you know I'd be in the other room doing something, and I'll walk through and see it on TV. I've never watched a full episode of it. Uh, my oldest <laughs> daughter kind of enjoyed it. She's fifteen, almost sixteen years old, so I think it's even right up her wheelhouse for she's the age group they're kind of shooting for there right um yeah but again like we and we've had this discussion so many times my kids don't have that comic that connection to the characters in the comic book so when people when they see something on screen they're just like oh well these are new characters and and they don't have any comparison because they haven't read so many of the comics um and i don't know i i don't know enough about it to say whether or not ty and tandy were um actual good representations of the characters but yeah i don't i don't care that cloak and daggers canceled i know some people had some pretty strong reactions to it um but yeah for me it's just a it's a it's just a fart in the wind man i don't know anything about it is it safe to assume that runaway season three and maybe hellstrom that just started filming you think they're as good as dead by now i i've watched both seasons of runaways and i can only hope that it dies um (laughs) I don't I don't know what they're doing. Uh Hellstrom, you know, Hellstrom sounds interesting. Uh I, I've always thought it would be interesting to see that character. I I, mean, I can remember going way back and thinking that they'd bring him in somehow into Jessica Jones because of their relationship and how, how dark it could turn. But now you th- you right. look at it and this uh, this seems like it's like Jeff's whole plan fell apart. Ghost Rider's dead. Um, they were going to do all these other shows, right? And now it seems like He's it's strong. just Hellstrom. Hellstrom on the island by himself. I don't know how you keep that going, like, yeah. by itself. Yeah. I don't see it. And I guess with Jeff, Loeb, Jeff Loeb's exit comes the... the the. It's even more unlikely that, you know, the Netflix characters, like the stars, they, they come into the fold of the MCU. It, it seems more unlikely. Like, Jeff has always been the most outspoken person about keeping these shows alive two years from now in the new network. But now that he's gone, I don't see these shows existing anymore. Like any hope, any possibility that we had before, it's gone now. It's in the toilet. Yeah, I would, I would think so. I, I don't know. You know, someone's going to have to eventually ask Kevin Feige how he feels about Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Someone's going to yeah. you know, see what, if you can get him to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I have no, I don't know. I don't have any, I think any kind of connection to things that came out in the past. Um, Marvel TV things are, are probably going to be severed. Um, you had a good point. I thought on Twitter the other day and some people wanted to argue with you about it. Um, you know, if you, if you decide oh, yeah. to make a new series, a new daredevil series with Charlie Cox, um, and people like it, then they're just turning around and heading back to Netflix to watch more. So you're, you know, you're losing money. And, like, the argument is anytime you use any of the Netflix cast, it's going to benefit Netflix more than Disney wants to. Whether you like to admit it or not, let's say Charlie Cox shows up in a Disney Plus show as Daredevil. If it ends up being really good, we're going to want to see more Charlie Cox and where else can we find more Charlie Cox? I guess the solution for that is for Netflix to sell, I guess, the streaming rights to the show. But I don't see them doing that. I can't think of any incentive why Netflix would do that when having the shows in their library will benefit them no matter what. 
Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of one good reason why they would do it. It's just too expensive for Kevin Feige to to use Charlie Cox, uh, John Bernthal, Kristen Ritter. If if he uses them, it's it's got a whole lot of baggage with Netflix, and at this point, it's cheaper to just reboot. Yep, and and find someone. The other the other thing that has to be true here is if they're going to use these guys in the way that you know, like if a Daredevil series is going to be. Um, something similar like if they were to have one if it's going to be something like loki or wandavision or something and these characters are going to interact with other people you've got you've got to find actors who can stand up and and show off in their own series when people like you know sebastian stan or maybe chadwick boseman somehow is you know a guest star on a series for an episode on daredevil right like you got to have some actors and who can hold their own and that hasn't been the case, like with all those actors. Like certainly, I think Kristen Ritter could. Um, I'd give Charlie Cox the benefit of the doubt, but then you know, I mean, Finn let's. Finn Jones, Mike Coulter, like I don't know. I just can't see them appearing next to to Elizabeth Olsen and like Paul Bettany. I can't. I can't see them do that. You, see, you, you have, a, you have a, a, a scene with Finn Jones and Chadwick Boseman sharing the stage. Like it's just, not, it's just not going to work out for anybody. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a very promising prospect. So, so it's yeah, we'll see. Um, but I, I just, you know, there's there's so much going on in the future here. Um, like I made the point on my Twitter a while ago that. Once we, once the calendar turns to, I guess once Eternals comes out in like a year from now, we're never going to go for the foreseeable future, at least more than three months without something in the MCU that has major repercussions. Like it's, it's going to be such an incredible time. If you're an MCU fan, I don't, I don't know how it's going to be processed. I don't know how all all these things are going to work out, if it's going to be too much and they're going to have to cut back or if it's not going to be enough and they'll have to ramp it up but there's there's so much going on i just i don't know i'm, I'm just so excited for the future that i guess i'm you know if i have to lose charlie cox as daredevil i'm i'm going to deal with it i'm ready i'm ready to lose him but on to more exciting i guess marvel tv stuff Trin Tran was interviewed i think last week about hawkeye and she gave some interesting tidbits about um the show possibly revealing Clint Barton's backstory, which we've never actually had. Like, I don't know who Clint Barton is aside from being a family man. Yeah, I that can be very interesting. Um, I'm I'm super curious to see how far they go. Like, are we going to get him and his brother and the swordsman? Yeah. And I I don't know. Like, I that was that was something that I guess I wasn't expecting from this show. Um, but now that I'm hearing that that's an issue they're going to look into. I'm excited because that can set up all kinds of possible different scenarios uh, in, in going forward. So I I think that's really cool. I'm, I'm happy they're going to do that. There was a, I think it was Jeff Lemire's recent Hawkeye run went back and kind of revisited some of those ideas. Um, But yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited at the possibility of seeing Clint's brother, Barney Barton, AKA trick shot. I'm curious if Clint does have family out there that's not his wife and kids. Like, is Barney Barton in the comics? He's a villain. Like, could he be a bad guy in the MCU? I'm very excited 
kind of I kind of feel like there there's going to be I, if you're going to do that, I don't see what point or why you do it, what the point of doing it is without doing trick shot. Um, yes. So so yeah, I think that that's probably going to be something we run into, and and I think that that's cool. It's gonna it's gonna probably be something that catches Clint off guard. Probably be some cool moment where he's fighting him and realizes that he knows that move that the guy just put on him, and then he flashes back to when he was seven and Barney beat his ass in a basement <laughs> somewhere or something. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm really. I think it's going to be an interesting thing that I was not prepared for. Like I I, I really thought the whole focus of the story was just going to be about uh, about him getting Kate ready to, uh, you know, to become a hero and, and that it still probably may be the case. And we just revisit some of the stuff through flashbacks, but I would imagine, um, trick shot is going to show up in adult form somewhere. Yeah. And I guess this begs the question of like, what villain do we want to see in Hawkeye trick shot is cool, but is that all we're going to get? Like does Clint come from a really shady background as he did, as he did in the comics? Like, I'm just excited to see which kind of villains we can get. Yeah, I think people for people either forget or may not know in the comics, like before he was an Avenger, Clint was a flat out criminal, right? Yeah. So, was, and I think we, we see he was a shield agent as all we see in the movies. Yes, and he was part of Cap's kooky quartet, right? With with Wanda, with with Pietro. That's why there was like a there was an uproar when they joined the Avengers because yeah. They were essentially like bad guys. Yeah, like Clint was a criminal and Wanda and Pietro were mutant terrorists. And uh, it definitely was a bold move for Cap to bring him out. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely something like we're getting a Black Widow back. So a little bit of her backstory in this movie. Yeah. We'll find out more about her past, I'm sure. Um, and now we find out a little bit more about Hawkeye, which is what Trin Tran said in the interview, right? She said, we know so much about all these other characters and we don't know shit about Hawkeye. So we have to we have to fill in the blanks there. So. I don't know. So we get trick trick shot is not probably good enough to be a series villain, right? Like it's yeah. that doesn't seem like it. He'd have to be kind of working for someone. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's an interesting thought. I don't know. I guess we'll see as as uh if they ever film that what we'll, what we get. Yeah, and speaking of Trinitran, you were talking about like possible replacements for for Jeff Loeb. I find it interesting that she's I think she's the first name producer from the parliament to to be attached to, to a Disney Plus show. I think so. Exactly. At least the first one that I know about. Yeah, I, I, I haven't heard anything from Nate Moore possibly signing on for Rock on the Winter Soldier or like Brad Winterbaum with WandaVision or Loki. It's I find it interesting that it's just her in general. She gets the Hawkeye job and I do wonder who 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 is manning the other shows? Yeah, I think that's that's something we'll have to look and see if we can find out more about. But yeah, maybe she takes that role. Maybe she's um she's ready to to go and and lead that division. She seems I've only read maybe a handful of interviews from her interviews with her, but um she certainly seems to have a good handle on the characterization that they're going for in the MCU. So I think she could that's an interesting name that could possibly run that division. Moving on to other news, was there like a cool Shang-Chi casting tidbit that went out yesterday? Yeah, it was later, like early evening. It wasn't too late at night yet. Um, but and I, I guess the original source um, was Daniel RPK's Patreon, maybe. Um, and then I think MCU Cosmic ended up writing it up for the first time. 
about it there and, and i went and i did a little digging and asked around and found found the actual uh, evidence for which from which all this came right so there's always in, in a case like this where they're casting five characters you can always find a hard copy of it if you go looking so i asked and i found the hard copy um and so basically what you have is five martial artists being cast for shang chi um they're named as shadow uh ghost maker tiger claw uh razor fist and then the other the fifth one is an unknown name we don't know who that is and so so th those are all like so in in shang chi there are like four three four five characters shadow something right uh, and then there, like Razor Fist, is a is a straight up crazy ass Shang Chi character who has knives in his stumps. Um, there's been like three different iterations of Razor Fist. Um, there is nobody named Steel Claw. There is a character named Tiger Claw, and, and the, so in the casting call, they're looking for someone named Steel Claw. There's a character in Shang Chi comics named Tiger Claw, and then there's a character named Ghost Maker. Um, Ghost Maker is kind of interesting because he's like a KGB train assassin who ends up coming oh. into conflict with uh with shang chi so i guess my my guess is is that in the comics um fu manchu has this group of assassins called the like the cosmic order of the sea fan and they they go out and, and do work for him and so shadow um is the name of the character in the movie in the comics there are uh, all, all these shadows but my first guess is that it's shadow stalker who's one of the sea fan assassins um there's a of on vimeo there was an, a leaked audition uh it's not leaked it's not leaked at all that's not the right thing to say a guy who's not going to get the role of tiger or steel claw put his audition out and so you get an idea of what they're doing and so like steel claw is confront shang chi somewhere says like oh it's the legend it's the boy who ran away and then they try to capture shang chi and i'm sure oh. shang chi kicks the shit out of all of them right so it, to me, it just seems like a group of people who are being sent out by the Mandarin, um, you know, to to bring Shang-Chi back. And he's going to I think it's just going to be a bunch of um, goons that he has to kick their asses. And it, to me, it kind of the, the first thought that came to mind was like big trouble in Little China, where uh, Jack has to go through all these low level goons before he finally gets to fight the bad guy. I mean, to me, it's I don't know any of these guys. And as far as I'm concerned. Their roles could be as big as the Shield agents that were after Captain America and Winter Soldier. Yep. Like the guys, like the guys, who, like the guys who were hanging with uh with um Frank Grillo, uh, Crossbones, chasing Cap in the mall. These guys, these actors, could essentially have those kinds of roles, like unnamed goon that has like one line or just grunts in a fight with Shang Chi. Um. It doesn't get me excited too much because I don't know much, but you mentioning that Fu Manchu, or in this case, possibly Mandarin, has his own, I guess, crew of assassins who are, who are after, you know, Shang-Chi. It's something I'd like to see. I want to see Shang-Chi beat, beat up a bunch of guys with... I want to see Shang-Chi beat up a dude with stumps for razors as stumps. I I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if they'll go that route with him because, like, in the comics, he literally has like his arms are cut off and he has long swords like Im embedded into his stumps. So I don't know if you're going to get that in the movies. That would be so cool. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, you know, what do we know about the 10 rings? The organization has like a really great reach, right? They have people all over the world. 
So yeah. I think it fits. Like you've got a couple of like the the two guys they're casting for uh for Shadow and for Steel Claw. They want a Chinese American. Um, they wanted a white dude for uh, for Ghostmaker. So yeah, he's got like a KGB assassin, but he still has ties to the Ten Rings. I think that's really cool. Um, and, and so kind of you get the idea that no matter where, now that the Mandarin has turned his sights to Shang-Chi for whatever reason, no matter where he goes, he's not getting away. Um, and it does sound like Shang-Chi is the, the son of the Mandarin based on this audition tape we saw. Like he's he, and it also seems like Shang-Chi doesn't know exactly what's going on. If you watch the tape, like he's not familiar with why he's being talked to like this or why this guy is saying these things to him. So I think there's at least a little bit of mystery to the backstory, too. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. But, yeah, it's I mean, these guys aren't going to be huge roles in the film because the film's going to be centered around Shang-Chi, probably the Mandarin, whoever Aquafina's character is. And then I think you're going to get a couple like token um shang chi characters like clive reston and jack black or black jack tar and those guys and um th- those are going to be your leads i don't think these these guys are going to be anything other than people who get their ass kicked by shang chi i mean i almost forgot that aquafina was in this movie until you mentioned it <laughs> yeah we still haven't heard who she's playing i mean it's she's either going to be the mandarin's daughter or she's going to be shang chi's girlfriend or the or the two most logical guesses so um then the, they start filming like this week officially well that's the rumor i don't i don't know like i haven't been able to find out anything on my end um i know that they actually like they will go full full bore into production in january um but yeah i saw on that that they started filming some scenes but i i don't know that that's true or not i i, I don't know there's some there's some reason that it might not be true and there's um but then you know i don't know where rpk got his information from so i don't want to say that he's wrong but i haven't been able to verify that on my end of things no yeah so i mean that's that but in other news nolly portman was talking about gene foster possibly having cancer in the thor love and thunder film would you like to see uh, a very faithful adaptation of how jane becomes thor i I thought i found that everything she had to say interesting because i think that that not just that but the fact that she's going to get seems like she's ready to get into this role a little bit too right that i I found that interesting too um because i kind of thought she was done Uh, but so i i don't know what the storyline is here for love and thunder i don't know if her having cancer turns into um a big part of the movie or or not but if i guess if they're going to do it if they're going to if they're going to go with that storyline i think it has to be central and important to the story right and i don't know how you do that but you don't want to just say like hey this this lady also in addition to being thor she also has cancer you know it, it has to become really the centerpiece of of what's going on i guess within the confines of a comic with jason aaron's run which is like i don't know 30 20 issues there's a lot of room to make it center to the to the plot but at the same time not just be all about that within yeah. the confines a two-hour movie i don't know how something like this could be pulled off like you can't see jane as cancer in the first 10 minutes and then for the next hour and a half she's sore and it's everything's okay yeah Um, and then she's really really sick at the end i've been thorough this whole time you know i think in the it was it was set up like you know over time you found out right and it became it became kind of a big deal. Like you knew that the longer she spent 
holding Mjolnir the the worse off she was going to be. And you're right, I just don't see how you can make that mean anything in in a two hour span of time. So it might be it might be too much to try to put into a movie. And in terms of faithfulness, I'm not sure how. I mean, I mean, I guess it's possible for them to really adapt the story, like get a lot of elements. Maybe we see Mangog. Maybe we see. Maybe we see Malekith return. Maybe Malekith shows up in Loki, and then Loki brings him to the present day. But I want to see a fresh take on this particular Thor storyline. Like, I don't want them to be limited by the cancer as Jane's only way of becoming Thor. I'm sure there are other ways to to empower her. Just not it's not limited to her fighting a disease. I'm sure there's a lot of ways to do that. Um. But yeah, the, the thing with adaptations, if it's too close to the source material, it's not as surprising anymore. And Marvel has been really good in sh- switching up the source material, making it exciting for live action, and I'm hoping they do this for Love and Thunder. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is <clears throat> it, this isn't like just a Jane Foster movie. Like, the, the, you know, Chris Hemsworth is going to be in this. Thor is going to be in this. So he's got to have some time, yeah. too, and, and that's just really... It just seems like there'd be too much going on to try to to try to bring that in. Um, you know, Taika Taika said this week that they were going to ramp it up and go even crazier than they did on Ragnarok. Um, so I'm excited to see what that what that looks like. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to see what that yeah. looks like. I don't know if we're going to get what we're going to get, but um, I don't, Korg's going to be back in it. So I yeah I don't know I don't know if that fits. Valkyrie's there. Maybe a guardian shows up. I don't know, but uh, the Jane Foster the Jane Foster cancer storyline is a very tall order, and I don't see it working as well as it did in the comics. No, I not. It's just no. You're right. I think your original point is right. In the two hours that you have, it's just it might not. You might not be able to pay it enough attention to make it um, as meaningful and as it should be. But yeah, and more weird news. Warner Machine almost became the U.S. Vice President in Endgame. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, which is what what movie was that a callback to? Iron Man two or three? Which one did they? I think it was was it three where they had the president and he told him that if he kept it up, he'd be in his place, he'd be in his seat one day. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I I didn't make that connection until now, but yeah, you're you're exactly right. When when Rhodey saves the president and. I mean, honestly, out of all the scrapped endgame plans, like we've been hearing about Nova, about Glenn Close as the the world mind and whatnot, this particular scrap idea is by far my favorite because it's such a weird fucking kooky way to to pro to you know progress Rhodey's story five years after the snap. Like how the fuck did he end up as the vice president of the United States, like, did he step up and save a lot of lives? Is it because he's the Iron Patriot? Is that why he has a, an Iron Patriot costume, armor rather, by the end of Endgame? Like, I'm so fascinated with this idea. I kind of wish they did this. Just yeah, to put her a very exciting spot after Endgame. I, I'm with you there. That one is, by far, of all these ideas that we've heard so far, um, the one that I would have really enjoyed seeing, like, because it, it just leaves you with so many questions. Um, yes. I'm glad they cut the, the Nova one the way that it was described, because I wouldn't have been yeah. able to handle, like, a, 
hey, by the way, Richard Ryder is a human who's been in space as a Nova for God knows how many years. We never heard of him before. Um, so that one, I'm glad they scrapped. But this one, it would have been cool. And, and I, I didn't think about before, like, why does he have that Iron Patriot armor at the end, which was sweet, by the way. Um, yeah, I, maybe maybe he's doing a dual thing. He's he's the vice president, but he's still out kicking ass. I mean, just the idea of that, the fucking U.S. official, a superhero fighting Thanos. It's it's crazy, and I guess talking about this makes me wish we had more of Rhodey's story in the MCU. Um, moving forward, I'd love to see Don Cheadle back, but I can't see. I can't see any property where he fits, at least in the in the given slate. Maybe he's in Falcon Winter Soldier. I guess maybe we hear about him in Black Widow since it happens, you know, a few years in the past. Maybe we hear about Rhodey's condition there. I don't yeah, know, but I'm I just want sure. to. I know a lot of people. They still think that there's going to be a War Machine Disney Plus series because. That one group of bullshit leaks that came out a year ago had had the plot already too, right? It, it not only did it have the plot, it had all the people, all the actors they were going to cast in it. Oh, um, for a series that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, that I don't know. I don't know if we'll get more of them or if he shows up. It seems weird, like for him to show up in Captain Marvel. Um, and in the comics, they have a thing, so maybe I don't know because it's. It's weird because Carol's probably the same age as Rhodey. She just is like, in you know, if you go MCU time, but she just looks way younger because she's got the crazy Cree blood yeah. flowing through. So I'm yeah, not I guess sure. maybe Ant-Man 3 or, or Scoop Young Avengers, maybe he's one of the instructors they have. And he's there just making fun of the Ant-Man and Hulk. Which, talking about it, sounds really exciting. Imagine being yeah. in Avengers Academy and your teachers are Hulk, Ant-Man, and Rhodey. That's pretty good. I would, I like that idea. It's not that's not something that uh, we've heard before. That's just your idea, and I love it that you'd have Rhodey standing there, totally making fun of <laughs> Lang, continuing to just humiliate Lang all the time. Yeah, more Rhodey, and I wish he was the vice president in real life. <laughs> um, now, was one of the other things that they talked about? Um, did they talk about that they had like thought about using Modoc? Didn't they say they had an idea and it was kind of tied to like a different iteration of what they did with uh, uh, Zola. with Zola? Yeah, oh. and they had like a, a MODOK thing going on. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Put MODOK in Ant-Man 3? Oh, I would love to see MODOK in Ant-Man 3. The Young Avengers <laughs> have to take on MODOK. I would love oh, it. Shit, I think that's the way to go now, right? Be so goofy. Yeah, do it like a like a next wave crazy thing, but with the Young Avengers. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if it's not Modok, I'm probably bummed out. I'd be pissed. I would like to. Uh, I can't remember the line in 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 Earth's Mightiest Heroes and in the Avengers cartoon that was on Disney XD forever ago, which was a great series. The episode with that has Modok in it, and Thor says something to Modok. And I can't remember exactly what he says, but he tells him he's like a grotesque baby with a giant head or something or another. And <laughs> it was so funny. And that said, that was such a good series. And I would, uh, I would love to see somehow see Modoc floating around in the MCU and 
people just continue to mock him and, and make fun of his giant head and his tiny baby arms. I mean, it's perfect, right? In Endgame, we see Rhodey's roasting skills when he makes fun of Fat Thor, when he makes fun of Scott Lang, and God, what a great idea. Ant-Man and Hulk and War Machine and Hope roasting Modoc. I love it. Yeah, then so you want... then you're talking about Ant Man three making just maybe making a billion dollars if you start adding all those guys into the mix. Yes, and yeah, the surefire hit, and Marvel would be stupid to ignore us. I don't know how they continue to ignore us. This is it's like they're not listening. But yeah, before we wrap, I think we've got most of the stuff. Did we talk about the Watchmen episode last week? No, we haven't. And this is this is weird because it seems like our recording schedule is going to put us talking about the last episode the day that the new episode comes out but that's okay <laughs> but just quick rapid fire thoughts on the new watchman it's pretty amazing i love the world building um regina king is hot here uh it's so many ominous stuff with ozymandias and and you know the rorschach what do you call them the like the terrorist group inspired by rorschach i am excited what tonight's episode is going to bring us and by the time this comes out this episode comes out, we'll probably know what happens, but yeah, it's a pretty fucking, it's, it's, it's the most captivating superhero show I've seen since maybe the first Daredevil. Yeah, it certainly gets your attention. Um, and I love, I love that you had like, uh, like some, <clears throat> some bookends there, right? You get the, the story in the beginning and the Tulsa race riots and you get the little boy and then, then he's, a hundred years old at the end of it and yeah. just guy right and you get those bookends and you're like what the fuck happened in this hundred years or not hundred but 90 years or whatever it was since we saw this kid and what is he doing um but yeah i, I loved i love that there was like you said the world building and that but then the, the all the connections the small connections back to the original source material because people continue oh, to yeah. wonder like what is this how does this relate right so you've got the squid you've got um, you've got the really weird squid rainstorm going on. Um, yes. You know, you've got Ozymandias apparently has, you know, he's getting his, his deep thigh massage there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so weird. Rorschach's journal apparently inspired. I don't know what, I mean, were they just like totally racist lunatics? I don't know what that, what that, yeah. what that seventh story, like, I don't know the, what that was. I'm sure that's not what Rorschach intended to inspire with his journal. So, man, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do um, and how it continues to tie back to the events of, of Watchmen. I mean, just the fact that Regina King mentions in her, like, her scene in the show went in class, she mentions that Vietnam is a fucking state of the U.S. Yeah, and Robert Redford is president. Yes, uh, it's, it's it's so crazy how it calls back during the Vietnam War and Watchmen. Doctor Manhattan just annihilates the Viet Cong and they fucking take over the country. It makes sense that it's now a state, yeah. and we fucking see Manhattan building of building a castle that closely resembles Ozymandias's, you know, Italian home, whatever that fucking is. It's look, the connections are so weird, and the. I don't know what you call that ship, but the ship that Don Johnson and his, I guess, Lieutenant oh, Ryan owl, owl ship. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that owl ship. So, so I'm wondering how they got that kind of technology. It has the same flamethrower. Is is Night Owl like the new weapons military supplier? 
is he like the new Tony Stark now that he's retired? It's there's so many questions, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing much more of Don Johnson. See, the thing interesting about Don Johnson and his character's death. Spoiler alert for for everyone who's, who hasn't seen the first episode. His character sort of parallels the comedians. How yep. the comedian dies in the opening scene of Watchmen, but he's in the whole comic. He shows up. His death is sort of the inciting, you know, I guess the inciting incident that brings everything together. And even the way the camera zooms in onto his badge and how the blood drips on it. Blood comes it, onto it. Yeah, that was awesome. It's exactly how the comedian smiley face, how he dies, how the blood drips in, uh, onto it. So the parallels are all there. It's, it's exciting. Yes, this seems to be um, a project that is well thought out and has you know some some of the best work that these guys have done. Um, and I just can't I can't wait. Like I, I love the anticipation. I, I know that we get so used to binging series and being able to sit down and watch, um, sure. but I love this anticipation that's built for me over the past week to get to this new episode. And can I just say before we wrap, how fucking cool Tim Blake Nelson is in this show. His oh, fucking yeah. mask, his, I think his, his character's name is called Looking Glass. Yep. And how he's, he's just interviewing that, that racist dude in, in that fucking pod. It's, it's, it's easily the, the, it's the best scene in the episode. And he just keeps repeating himself. And yeah, I, oh, Tim yeah. Blake Nelson is such a, such a treasure, right? Like, he's so fucking weird, but he's awesome. It's, it's funny because one line stood out to me in his, in his interrogation scene. He asks the guy, how would you feel if I took a shit on the United States flag? <laughs> that, that, that's the kind of writing I want. And yeah, give me the episode tonight. All right, guys, that does it for episode 23. Thanks for listening. We'll continue to, uh, to keep on top of all this Shang-Chi-related nonsense as things get closer to production. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier should be kicking off really, really soon. And yeah. WandaVision starts up here in a week or two. So things, things won't continue to be this slow. I'm sure we'll get some set photos. I'm sure we'll hear some plot leaks. And, and we're, we're pumping up right now, priming up for a really busy time from here until maybe forever with all the projects that are, are active in the MCU. So we will we'll be in touch soon. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, you can find me at underscore Charles Murphy on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at CFS Villanueva. We'll talk to you guys again in a week. Goodbye. Bye.